Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gay With God podcast. I'm Midge Noble. I'm your host, and today I can't wait to bring you another sneak peek of my upcoming memoir, Gay With God, Reclaiming My Faith, Honoring My Story. Boy, this has been such a great experience to be able to tap in with you guys and drop a little sneak peek of the memoir, and I'm so excited that it's now in the hands of the publisher. I've connected with an editor, and we're ready to get the polishing all done up, and and I just can't wait. I can't wait to bring you this memoir. I can't wait to be in person with you at some point and do a reading for your groups and to speak at your events. And I just can't wait to see how God is going to use this memoir and and send it out into the world and help it to find the people who need to read it um, and connect with people who need to speak with me. I just can't wait. I'm so excited. (laughs) So today, I want to bring you another sneak peek from the memoir. In this chapter, I'm talking about a trip that I took when I was 18 years old to go to India to test my calling that I thought I had at the time, which was to be a missionary. So I'm just going to read a portion of this chapter called The Land of Contrast, Dysentery, and Homesickness. The next morning, our team loaded all of our gear into a school bus that would take us to the airport. Each team member would carry a 60-pound duffel bag filled with our personal items and canned goods. Including leaders, we were a 45-person team. That made the school bus ride from Florida to LaGuardia Airport in New York hot, squished, and highly uncomfortable. The bus was not air-conditioned. It didn't have great shocks, and the seats did not have good cushions. Once we got to the airport, we unloaded our gear and traipsed through the lobby in a mass of oddness, attracting a lot of stares and giggles as we walked to our gate. We girls were required to wear a dress and our combat boots were also required. I was thankful I had brought a floor-length dress made especially for me by a friend's mom. The boys, of course, were allowed to wear jeans with their boots. We made it to our gate, and I felt my nervousness increase. I had never flown in an airplane, and my anxiety about that was ramping up. We boarded the plane, and I found my seat. I stored my carry-on, sat down, buckled up, and tried to breathe. Then I felt a familiar sensation. My period had restarted. I got out of my seat and made my way to the bathroom. I was in the middle of washing off my dress when I felt like I was going to pass out. I was hot, everything around me was shaking, and I almost lost my balance. That is when I saw a flashing sign next to the bathroom mirror, return to your seat. And then I realized, oh my God, (laughs) we are taking off. I dried off as well as I could, and as I hurried down the aisle, I realized we were literally taxiing down the runway. 
I quickly got into my seat, buckled up again, and the plane rose off the runway. I experienced a deep sense of gratitude for getting back to my seat in time. I also felt a sense of dread. After four weeks of a period at home and all through boot camp, I was headed to India for two months. Looking back now, I realized that there was very little faith being practiced on my part during this time in my younger years. Every part of my life had, to this point, been part of my need to be loved by God, to prove myself in things I did, and to do things myself, without relying on others to do it for me. Instead of being able to prayerfully talk to God about what I was going through, my prayer time was really just exclaiming, oh my God, when things went wrong. I was about to face the most challenging time of my life. Old issues would return, homesickness, resentment, unworthiness, and India would become my training ground for a lifetime of seeking what I wanted to find. I wanted a relationship with God that was authentic. I didn't want it based on proving myself, but knowing that God loved me and that I was important to God without having to prove it. We left from New York City and flew to Rome for a day and a half layover. We toured the Colosseum, the streets of Rome, and we shopped. I had a shower and an inside bathroom to get clean, and I began to feel a bit more human. Back on the plane, we headed to New Delhi. The airport was hot and muggy and had lizards crawling on the walls. Armed guards were standing on platforms above the lobby. We were told to not make eye contact with the guards, and we were quickly ushered through the airport. And from there, we boarded a plane on the tarmac for our last journey to Madras, India. This plane was so small, we had to walk down the aisle hunched over to step over a hump in the middle of the floor, which I learned later was actually the landing gear. The seats were so close together, it was as if we were sitting in the same seat. The air conditioning was not working, and our bodies were crammed together. I was so ready to be anywhere other than on that plane. My wish was granted, as the flight was not very long, and shortly we landed in Madras. We loaded into a work bus that took us to the compound. If you have ever seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love, the scenes of her traveling through the streets of India are not an exaggeration. It is fast, furious, terrifying, loud, and a mix of deep ugliness and beauty. Beggars with missing limbs, oozing sores, and blind eyes cram up against your bus to show you their wounds and try to get money. Horns are honking, cars pass in between two vehicles, and I don't think any driver used brakes. The drivers just honked and went on. We finally made it to the compound where we were welcomed by leaders from the Church of Palavakam with our missionaries interpreting their Tamil language. Our days would now be structured with morning devotions and then off to the work site. We would work all day, come back to the compound, clean up, have late afternoon classes and Bible study, supper, and then lights out. On the weekend, we would travel to different churches in the surrounding villages. They always had a huge celebration to honor us for our service. Sometimes we would go into town to shop and see some sights. We went to Hindu temples and the Taj Mahal. The first work morning, we rode our open-air bus to the work site. The plot of land was sandy, full of weeds, and treeless. There were several piles of bricks at the front of the property, which would be used for the footers. 
The church would be 30 by 70, made of concrete blocks, a tin roof, and a concrete floor. Our first order of business was to move all the bricks that were delivered to the site from the front of the plot to the back. To do this, we formed lines from the front of the property to the back and tossed the bricks to each other. This went about as well as you could expect. (laughs) Sounds of ow and hold up rang out as a toss happened before the receiver was ready. We also had to dig a bathroom pit. There were no facilities available to us. A hole was dug surrounded by bricks, and then a room was fashioned out of branches tied together for walls to surround the pit. Often we had to shoo away a huge lizard that liked to hang out on the bricks surrounding the hole. I never wanted to contemplate what the lizard liked about sitting there. To stay hydrated safely throughout the workday, we had helpers on the site who boiled our water for 17 10 hours overnight to keep us from getting sick. Each morning, we filled up our water bottles with smoky, tasting warm water. It was not refreshing, and yet we were very grateful that the volunteers did that for us. Once that was done, we were handed a tool that had a shovel blade on the end and a handle that was turned so that when you held it and hunched over, the blade went into the dirt and the handle was toward your face. This was going to be used to dig the 30 by 70 foot footers for the church. I couldn't believe that a machine of some kind was not coming to do that. We learned quickly that there were three ways things would be done in India. The right way, the wrong way, and the India way. Right or wrong. The India way was preferred by those who were in charge of our building site. So I wanted to give you that little taste of the memoir and say that I'm so excited, like I said in the beginning of this episode, that we are just really on the road to getting this memoir together and ready for you guys. That trip to India I chose today because it it kind of displays how I lived my life, that, that I believed that I had faith, I thought I had some faith, I doubted that I had some faith, but I wasn't really living my faith. I wasn't in relationship with God. I was in panic mode most of the time. I was searching most of the time. And that relationship of sitting and just being in silence with God was not available to me at that moment in time. I just didn't know how to do it. I was taught that you read the scriptures, you pray, and And God is supposed to answer those prayers that if you have the faith of a mustard seed and you ask for something, it's going to happen. Well, yes and no. Our prayers are going to be answered, I think, in the highest and best way for all the people who are involved. And it's not always known to us what is that highest and best way. When I worked at hospice, I know for a fact that there were many families who were praying that their loved one would be cured from cancer and that they would survive this. And I just know as many of those folks that were being prayed for were ready to leave their body and stop their fight. And so for us, we are praying for others based on what we need. We are not always praying for what they desire or what God desires. I tell people all the time when they ask me to pray for something that I will, I will absolutely pray for you. And I always pray for the highest and best outcome because I don't know what that is. And you may know what you think you want, and it may not be really what's in your best interest. So I really don't believe that that my specific prayer 
to heal you is going to heal you, but I believe that you can be healed, but healing is also not a cure. Father Joe, who I talk about all the time on this podcast and one of my favorite people, is is a person who's been through great trauma. He has had more surgeries than anybody I know. And I joke with him that he just needed to tell them to put in a zipper because they have to keep going in and changing and working on things. And he just survived an an amazing transplant, a liver transplant on somebody his age that is not usually found until people are in their 60s. So he has been in divine light this whole entire time, although it's been extremely scary to him and to all of us. But you know, even he talks about that even if he wanted to be healed from the cancer that was in his bile ducts or he, you know, he asked for things that really healing also takes on a whole different light in some people. It's not a cure from cancer, but it might be a deeper walk with God. It might be a deeper understanding of their own faith. It may show them courage that they never thought they had. It is just an amazing journey that we're on that we only have a snippet of information. If you take a big poster board and you put a tiny dot in the middle of that poster board, that is one part of our existence in the entire universe. And everything that's going on with us is just one speck of our life. Just one moment. Just one moment. And everything else is so much bigger and we can't see it. And we very rarely ever think about it. So I want you to remember that as we start new adventures and we go into things thinking, hey, this is going to work out this way for me. We really are clueless as to what's going to be the divine plan for each of us. And I don't even know if if there is a specific divine plan, like am I walking through this journey and I'm making these steps and it's already paved for me and I'm just haphazardly finding my way on the next stone. I don't know. But I do know that the more I stop to to listen, the more quiet I get, I'm more comfortable in the unknowing and in the moving forward in the way that feels right at that moment. Even with this memoir, I could not finish it, guys. I couldn't. I had the the biggest block. I was rewriting and editing and doing everything to the front part and the middle part, and I couldn't even touch the back part. Everybody kept saying, well, are you almost done? Well, I'm close. I'm really close. I'm real close. But the fact was, I was close, but I couldn't even start to finish it. Something was holding me back, and I couldn't, with with all the angst about how to end it, and not knowing which way would be the best way, I was just paralyzed. I just had the biggest writer's block you can imagine until I I got silent. And I sat in silence one day and I just opened up this project and I said, I don't know how to finish this. Can you please help me? And I just waited. And nothing happened. <laughs> But then when I got into my writing session the next day, I started having these ideas of what might be the next step. It wasn't the finishing of the book, but it was the next step. And so I just went with that. And I started doing this next step. And then I started realizing that the entire ending that I had thought was going to be the ending wasn't. 
it was not even close to what it needed to be. And I just started that part over. I got rid of everything that I had kind of piddled with and thought about and made notes about. And I just, I just started over and I started writing from the silence inside me and let it flow. Was that an answer to prayer? Absolutely. I totally believe it was. And would I have thought it would have happened that way? Nope. Nope. Not at all. So I love the journey of this, that I can be 63 years old and I'm not done. I feel like I'm a newborn just beginning to to get things aware in my mind. And, and I'm waking up in places that I didn't even know were dormant and asleep inside of me. I'm so happy that I took this journey of writing this memoir because it has healed me on levels that I never could have imagined. And it has brought me peace in places that I never thought I would find peace. And one of those is in the unknowing. You'll see in the beginning of this memoir that that was a huge problem for me. And I really looked for answers about who made God. How did this happen? How can I prove it? It was such a barrier for me. And I'm in the same place I've always been. I have absolutely no idea where God came from and how this all happened. And I have no idea. But now I'm I'm in peace with that. I'm at peace with just not knowing. Would I like to? Well, sure. <laughs> Wouldn't we all like to have the answers to everything? But I'm not going to have it right now. Not on this earthly plane. Probably probably never on this earthly plane, but I'm okay with that. And I know that God is still working in me and through me and with me with every step I take when I get quiet and ask for that specifically. Yeah, I I believe that that sometimes we just expect God to do things for us and yet we're not really in relationship with him. We may think we are, And I have lived most of my life thinking that I was in some kind of a relationship with God until I sort of left the church and then I felt more strange than ever. But but in this moment of spending time with morning prayer and evening prayer and taking time throughout the day to just pause, to be grateful, to, to be grateful that I wake up in the morning, to be grateful throughout the day that I have some peace in my life now that I've never had. Because I was always working two, three different kinds of jobs at a time, even though I didn't get paid for all of those, but I was definitely focused into a paying job and then services that I was giving away for free, but I was still working. And I was always spinning, always spinning so many plates in the air. And even though now I do many things and I have a very busy day, there are moments of time where I go out on my deck with my my kids And we all sit on the deck and just take in the day. I never had that when I was working, you know, at a private practice office. I can now schedule time during my online coaching sessions where I can just be at peace. I can decompress. I can take a breath. I can be in contemplative prayer with God and be in the silence. And that just feels beautiful. It feels beautiful. It is beautiful. And I'm grateful. And I want that for you. I want for you, if you're searching, to be able to land in that place of knowing that you're beloved and that you're loved and that 
that God has not forgotten you and God has not walked away from you. You are right where you need to be. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know if you can be gay with God, if you're listening to this podcast and you think that God has given up on the LGBTQIA plus community, you are right where you need to be. Because friend, you are not unlovable. You are not condemned to hell. You are not estranged from God. I think that God sat with me and is sitting with you right where you are, right where you're hurting, right where you're scared, right where you're angry, right where you're confused and disillusioned. God's right here. And the God of my understanding is the God of second chances (laughs) and third chances and fourth chances and as many as I need. I've had a lot of chances to come closer to God, and I've taken just as many chances walking away. But God was there right when I right when I turned around. And it's still a journey. It really is. I'm finding every day that there's new things that I still am unsure about and don't know how to really figure it out. You know, even the callings that I've that I've answered over my lifetime that I thought were knee-jerk reactions and just impulsive decisions. I have answered those calls, but I didn't know they were calls. And sometimes I didn't even know where I was really headed, even though I felt like I was leaning into something and I was supposed to go in that direction. So I had kind of an inkling that it might have been a call from God, but I never confirmed it. And I didn't know it for sure. And it never worked out the way I thought it was going to. But I look back and it always worked out in the highest and best way for me and those concerned. Always writing this memoir. I have ideas of how I would love for it to be out in the world and what I would love to do with it, but I continue to to give it to God and say, let it get into the hands, however they're, however it's supposed to get into the hands, get it into the hands of the people that need it, that really need to read it and help me to be the vessel and line me up exactly where you want me to be. I pray that every day. I want to be exactly what God needs me to be always. So my friends, I hope that as you listen to this podcast, as you listen to the stories of the very brave men and women who are coming on telling you their faith journey story and their coming out story, that you'll see yourself as as a person who is loved by God and is still being supported and held in God's hands, even when you don't know it. I hope that you'll continue to be a part of this community. And when you're ready, I really can't wait to honor your story. I can't wait to have you on my show. So if you have not yet signed up to be a guest on the Gay With God podcast, (laughs) stop waiting. (laughs) I'm ready for you. I am ready for you. And so is our community. I want to thank you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with me, you can go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Check out our Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. The next one we have coming up is going to be on February 13th, so make sure you go to the Gay With God Facebook group and sign up, answer all the questions, and you'll be able to get the Zoom link for the My Faith Journey group.
If you need support to help you through your coming out and or faith journey, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me and have a complimentary session. Also remember that my Ask Me Anything monthly Zoom meetup is a place where you can ask me anything about my memoir, about my practice, about me. You can ask me anything. I'm doing these monthly all the way up to launch date for the book. And the next one is February 9th this week at 7 p.m. So I hope you can join us for that. If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you are gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And as always, you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.